welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. ask you to uh, find your place in Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 13. All right. Well, if you if you've been with us in this um, Genesis series that we're working through, you know that uh, we've started looking at this faith journey of Abram. And uh, you know Abram, his later name is changed to Abraham. So a really important figure in the, in the Old Testament. And we see him also uh, several times referred to in the New Testament as well. And there's many things about Abram's uh, journey or uh, his experiences that are unique to us. But fundamentally, uh, they're the same. The same as our journey of faith. Uh, God has called us out of the, the domain of darkness, uh, the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of light. And just like Abraham's journey began with faith, so our journey also began with faith. We believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and His ascension back to, the, uh, back to the Father, where He's seated at the right hand of the Father and interceding on our behalf for us. And we begin in faith and we were obedient to the call to leave uh, the old way, our old, uh, the idols of the heart and to follow the Lord. Our, our journeys uh, begin that way, and it must continue that way in faith, trusting God. As, as Paul spoke of the Thessalonian believers, he said, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Well, God has uh, designed this journey that we as believers are on in such a way that our faith and trust in Him is growing. And so that it's becoming uh, stronger and stronger. And as we have seen with uh, Abram, this often involves trials and testing and difficulties to, to strengthen our faith. And sometimes God uses it to drive us back to God and back to the place of blessing and fellowship with God. As we saw last week in the, the sermon with Abraham, he failed the test of the famine. He went down to Egypt, left the land of promise. And it wasn't so it wasn't just so wrong necessarily because he went down to Egypt, but it seems that Abraham forgot that he was on a journey of faith, and he uh, began operating independently of the Lord. Uh, using his own cleverness to figure out a way. It seems that uh, Abram came from a, um, a whole line of uh, 
conniving people and clever people. We see Jacob, you remember the story later, he's, he's named the, the hill grabber. He goes to Laban, his uncle, and his uncle's the same way. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's a it's a trait that he's well learned growing up. We don't know that detail, but we see we see Abraham Abram operating like that. He reverts back to the old the old Abram way of doing things and self will and self determination. <coughs> but God, in His grace, He uses Abram's uh, failure and brings him back into dependence upon God. In chapter 13 now, we see Abram, a new man. His, his faith has been renewed and he's restored in fellowship with the Lord. And so let's read these from chapter 13. I want to read just the first seven verses. If you have your place there, you can follow with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt and he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and they journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's flock, uh, livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perserites were dwelling in the land. Well... We see Abram here tracing his steps back to Canaan, this land of promise, back to Bethel, where he had previously built an altar, and there he calls upon the name of the Lord. This was a quite a quite a, a long uh, journey for them. It was uh, uh, to get back to this place, uh, approximately 360 kilometers, and uh, that would have taken them at least. 10 days, maybe more, with the group that they had, with all the, the things that they had and the animals and, 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 and so forth. And so Abram had plenty of time to think about what he had done. <laughs> he had plenty of time to think about you know, the mess that he got himself into. He, he had uh, embarrassed himself, and most importantly, he had, um, he had brought reproach upon the name of God. And he put his wife, Sarai, in, into danger and everyone with him, really. But God protects them and brings them back. And now Abram's faith is renewed. He's back to the altar at Bethel and he's worshiping the Lord there. And no doubt is um, a big part of that worship is thankfulness for the grace of God uh, and, and God's mercy in dealing with 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 him we also note in verse 2 that uh, he gained riches there i don't think abraham was poor to begin with but he has now become even more uh, wealthy and verse 2 makes a point of that in this, this text it says 
And Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And we see that, uh, uh, that what Abram gained there in Egypt uh, would also be a problem to him. Uh, right away, we see in the context here that uh, it strained the re relations with his, um, with his nephew, a lot. And um, we also see, we'll later see, that there's a, a maid that they brought with them named Hagar, who would also factor into the problems that uh, Abram would experience. And it's interesting here that um, the word that's used in the Hebrew to talk about Abram being rich is, is literally the word heavy. And you can think about Abram as he's leaving, you know, in this caravan of people and animals. He's laden down uh, with riches, with, with things. And uh, Matthew Henry in his notes has an interesting comment I want to read for you. He says, he, he's speaking of Abraham, Abram, he was very heavy. So the Hebrew word signifies, or riches are a burden. Uh, there's a burden of care in getting them, fear in keeping them, temptation in using them, guilt in abusing them, sorrow in losing them, and a burden to account at last to be given up concerning them. <laughs> well, I know what many of you are thinking, most of us are thinking, uh, well, I could use a little bit more of that kind of burden. <laughs> but we do see in the context that it brought a conflict with his nephew. And Lot had also acquired much. Evidently, um, he was also enriched by this uh, trip down to Egypt as he had to leave with Lot. And um, he's kind of been in the background, but he, we see also as lots of uh, livestock and the herdsmen. And, and there's this arguing taking place between them. The land can't really support them now. They've gotten too big. Uh, and so there's a testing of faith here we see again and specifically in this relationship between Abram and Lot. Warren Wiersbe in his note says, like Abraham, as you progress in the school of faith, you will face three tests. And he lists circumstances, people, and things. And we saw where the circumstances of the of the famine drove he left he got down there he had this the, the test of people particularly the, the egyptians and the pharaoh and now the things that they have is creating a, a test of their faith as well and, and the question is how will abram deal with lot how's he going to to react the, the old abram may most likely would have put himself first and the old us will do the same thing, won't we? We will, we will put ourselves first in any given circumstance. We'll look out for ourselves. But you think about the old Abram. He, he might would have told Lot, well, God promised this land to me. So you need to just now go and find your own way. That seems to be, you know, logical, doesn't it? <laughs> But let's, let's read on here in the context uh, in chapter 13 and see what, um, what Abram says from verse 8. 
Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before us? Separate yourself from me, and if you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And then Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. Uh, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. And the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Well, as we look at this response of Abram, we are surprised really by Abram just because we've been reading about his lack of faith and his failure there in Egypt. But now that he's returned back to this place where the altar's at in Bethel, he's, he's, he's made an offering there to the Lord and he's worshiping the Lord. And we see a different Abram. He, he responds like a, like a believer that's now fully trusting himself to the Lord. He's he's not uh, he's not like the Abraham that we we read about in the previous chapter. What a contrast! He's not grasping for what he can hold on to, for what's his, but he gives preference to Lot, someone who's younger, uh, in a lesser position. Abram's clearly the the, the father uh, figure in in this um, group of people. He's the patriarch. And um, he's, he's stopping this conflict before it really has a, a chance to get out of hand. And he offers to Lot his choice of the land. And he seems to be treating Lot like he would a son. Uh, he, he may be even thinking that God is going to bless or fulfill this promise of the of this multitude of people and this blessing of the offspring maybe he's thinking that that lot is somehow going to uh, take this this place of uh, share in this blessing because he he is offering him a share in this land when abraham says to lot uh, you know if, if you go left i'll go right if you if you want the right hand i'll take the left hand He's oriented to the east, um, as they would have thought geographically oriented to the east. We tend to look to the north as we think about a map, but they, they would look to the east. And so when Abraham says, if, if you uh, go to the left, he's thinking about the, um, the northern portion of the, of the land of Canaan. And he says, if you choose the right, he's thinking about the southern portion of the land of Canaan. And so we see Lot then, as Abram has been so gracious, he's, he's really just gone out of his way to, um, to, to resolve this conflict and offering to, um, uh, to Lot his choice. And it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw. And that, that phrase there, it kind of harkens back to the first sin where 
Satan tempted Eve. And the text says that she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. Satan is still tempting and deceiving us to take our eyes off the Lord and to become discontent with Him, with what He's provided. And, and He's tempting us to take matters into our own hands, to stop you know, thinking about what God wants and what God has for us, stop trusting Him and to just uh, go, our own, go our own way in our own wisdom and so forth. Uh, John, in one John writing, speaks of this uh, danger of the world. When he talks about the world, he's talking about the, the unbelieving world system that we live in the, uh, that, uh, that is prevalent in our day as well. 1 John 2 verse 15, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you can see there he's drawing this drastic contrast between the things that we love, righteousness, godliness, the Word of God, and the world, the world system that we live in that is opposed to everything that's good and godly and right. It's just diametrically opposed systems here, worldviews. They're in con conflict one with another. And he goes on to say, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And this, I believe, is where Lot is at. He's allowed this desire this desire that's not submitted to the Lord. He, he's allowed it to grip his heart. And as he looks, looks on the valley, the cities in the valley, he desires that. And it's a desire that's not from the Lord or it's not in keeping with the Lord's will for him. So when Abraham offers Lot north or south in Canaan, Lot doesn't choose either one. But he sees, he looks east, and he sees this well-watered plains of the Jordan Valley and the cities there, and he's drawn to that, like a, like a moth to the flame, so to speak. And the reason it's so bad for him that he's, he's leaving the place of God's promise, the place of God's blessing, and he's pursuing his own way. And we know that in the New Testament that Lot is a believer, He's like Abram that he's put his faith and trust in God and what God has revealed. But he's making decisions. He's making some bad decisions. It's leaving God out of his thinking process. And it's going to change the trajectory of his life forever. In verse 12 and 13, we read, Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Uh, I don't know that you'll be able to see much of that map, but many of you will have a map similar to that maybe in your Bibles, maybe at the back of your Bibles. But, um, and I, I thought I would have a pointer, but I don't think it's actually working. But let's see if I can find it up in this area. 
up in AI, and, and it doesn't list uh, um, uh, the, the uh, Bethel, but it's right there just, just next to it. Uh, that's where they're standing, up on that, that mountain ridge there. It's a, it's a high elevation from that valley. Uh, Bethel's about, um, let's see, yeah, 886 meters above sea level. And uh, this valley down through the, uh, if I can find it again, where's it at? All right. There's the Jordan River running down into the, the Dead Sea or the Salt Sea. That valley there is just way down compared to where they're, they're standing. So they have this vantage point. The, the, the Dead Sea surf, surface of the Dead Sea is, um, is 430 meters below sea level. So it's quite a, quite a, a deep chasm that runs down in this valley. And this, this valley's more fertile because of all the runoff of and the soil that's been washed into that area. And so Lot uh, looks at that he sees the city, he's, he's drawn evidently to the cities. He's not content to, to just have the, the pasture lands there. He goes intentionally, gets uh, camps out next to Sodom. And uh, some have said, Abram went up and Lot went down. Well, not only did Lot go down geographically, he went down spiritually, didn't he? He uh, left... He left what were, was close to God uh, because he left Abraham, he left this land that God was, had promised, and he's, he sets out for what he believes, no doubt, is going to be better for him. It seems that Lot believed that he could go and live uh, in, in and around these cities and not be affected by them not be affected by their, their sinful lifestyles. But some 22 years later, we come to chapter 19, and we see Lot, he's there among them. He's become uh, even, even a, a leader uh, sitting at the gate uh, in the city. And if we look in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 7 and 8, there's Peter writes, he says, and if he, speaking of God, rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed, and as he says righteous there, he's, he's, he's referring to a believer, as we've said. He is a, he is a person of faith. But Lot has, hasn't been living by faith. He hasn't been growing in his faith. He just seems to be tagging along. Uh, maybe he's um, content with... Um, Abraham's faith, but he, he himself has not been growing into in the test that he's experienced. It says, God res rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For, at that, for as that righteous man was living among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Although Lot was distressed by the conduct of the people of Sodom, he wasn't distressed enough to leave. He loved living there. He loved the city. He loved the situation he was in more than he loved God. Even though he knew their conduct was wrong and he's even troubled by their conduct and their actions and their sin, he chose to live there and his choice cost him everything. 
The things that he loved most will all be stripped away. And by the end of chapter 19, Lot is living in a cave. Uh, his wife's dead. His two daughters have been so impacted by Sodom that through deception, they have children by their father. And so we see the end of this man Lot who turned away from the, the way of God into his own way, his own wisdom, and made some decisions that cost him. And there may be someone here this morning who's at that kind of crossroads in your life. Or maybe you've, you've been on a path that's away from God, and God wants to call you back to Him. He wants to be gracious to you like He was to Abram, bringing him back. And we see the contrast as we read on in this chapter. The contrast between Lot's decisions and Abram's decisions. And Abram's faith and Lot's lack of faith. Let's read uh, from verse 14. It says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth your offspring also can be counted arise walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I will give it to you so Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre where uh, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Well, can you imagine Abram, he's standing there upon the mountain. He has this view of the valley below, and he sees Lot and all of his people and his, and his livestock and all. They're, they're heading down, down, winding their way down off the mountain, down towards the valley. And, and Abram may have watched them for some time as they descend. He he was probably rather sad to be seeing his family, his nephew, that he, he no doubt feels responsible for uh, leaving. And as he's standing there watching, the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord reaffirms his promise to Abram and reminds him that it's to him, to his offspring, that he is going to give this land and that he reaffirms this promise uh, that what the Lord is going to do. And I want you to notice the contrast between the two, Abram and Lot. Uh, and the Scripture says that Lot lifted up his eyes in desiring something that the Lord didn't want for him. And then the Bible says that the Lord tells Abram, lift up your eyes and believe what what I have promised to you. And so the, the, Moses, he's intentionally contrasting these two because he, he is also instructing the children of Israel some over, over just about 450 years later, he's uh, instructing them to make godly decisions, to trust God. Uh, because they're also at these crossroads. Many of them will choose wrongly. And ultimately, the whole adult population is going to have to die in the wilderness because they do not believe God. 
to bring them back into the land of promise. Well, there's three, there's three kinds of people here that this passage speaks to. You see application to three, three types of people. First of all, unbelievers. If you've never come to the Lord in repentance and faith, trusting in Christ to save you and to forgive you, the Bible declares that you're lost without Christ and that you're living under the condemnation of God. Just like the, the people of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and that whole uh, cities in that area. You may, you may not be a, a bad person. You may be thought of as a very good person, a very moral person. You certainly are probably not like the people of Sodom and their open sin, but you're lost just the same. And in fact, the Bible says that you're held to a higher standard because you have received a greater revelation of God's Word from Him. During Jesus' earthly ministry, He was preaching to the they're in the northern regions of Galilee and in Capernaum. And the people of Capernaum rejected Christ. And the Lord says in Matthew 11, verse 24, He says that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom than for you. Why? Was it because they were worse or, or did more wickedly and more wicked things than Sodom? No. It's because they had so much more than Sodom did as far as the revelation of God. They had the, the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ who spoke to them and, and, and lived and worked among them. And we have so much more. We have the completed Word of God. And we have the testimony of what God has done, is doing, and will do. His completed revelation and, and we hear the word of God over and over and we hear about the Lord Jesus Christ we have a greater a greater responsibility well there's another group and that is believers but but like Lot you haven't grown in your faith maybe you're content living on the fringes the border between Canaan and Sodom but without a full commitment to Christ and walking in faith with Him, you will always be pulled down away from the place of God's blessing. You, you will not be progressing in your love for the Lord and your knowledge of Him and in intimacy with Him. And you're just, you can look back years in the past, you really haven't grown. You don't know the Lord better. You're not walking with Him closer well, there's a, third, there's a third group of believers, and I hope that this morning that is the majority of people here this morning. It's believers who by God's grace are walking with the Lord. You're walking with Him in, in a day-by-day -day dependence upon Him. You're regularly confronted with trials and tests and difficulties like Abram, and you often fail and must come back to the Lord in repentance of your sins and your failures. And back to the place of fellowship and blessing with God. I trust that is you this morning. If it's not, this message is to call you back to Him. 
back to the Lord. Come to the Lord. Come to Him in faith. Live with Him in faith. So that God can bless you, yes, but even more importantly, God is glorified and praised because of His grace in your life. Amen? Father, we do thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your grace to us. Lord, we failed You so many times. We seemingly daily uh, fall back into old patterns of habits. Do not depend upon You. Do not allow the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us. And so, Father, we, we are well aware of Your grace. We thank You, Father, as we come in humble dependence upon You, that You restore us and You bring us back, like You did, Abraham, back to the, back to the realization of the price that was paid for us. <clears throat> the altar that we have is the <clears throat> cross of Christ. And the price that was paid and is finished, <clears throat> and we're forgiven, and we can, we can be renewed and restored to fellowship with You because of Christ. We thank You and praise You, Lord, for that. We pray for each one here this morning. Some maybe here this morning like Lot who is wavering and halting and, and is uh, tempted by the world, the things of the world, and is uh, drawn from You, from Your presence, from dependence upon You. I pray for them, Father, that they would would see the end of that way and, and come to You and return to You. We pray for some that may be unsaved this morning that uh, uh, we pray for Your grace, Lord, to convict them of their need for the Savior and for the, the judgment, the condemnation of God that they're living under even this morning. And so Father, we thank You that at the cross we all come the same way we come empty-handed. We come in dependence upon You. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>